0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message.
1: How are we doing today? Everybody doing all right? Just everybody stretch your hand towards that bug right now. Let's just uh, I know. pray paralysis over him for the Woo. next few minutes. Because if he hits me in the face like he hit Lauren in the face right there, I'm going to hit him back. <laughs> this is really what I'm going to do. I'm going to come off this stage. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, we're glad that you're here. We're thankful that you're here. You heard a bunch of stuff just right there. We want to make sure that you take advantage of the things that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. We really want, we, we, we say here at Canton Church that we fight for families, and during this season of time, we really are in that mode to try to empower and invest in families. Uh, we do a lot of different things throughout the year for a lot of different groups of people within our church, but for sure in this season of time here, in this February month, Valentine's Day is coming up. Guys, don't forget this year, that's on February 14th. That was funny. Some of you still haven't gotten that. That's all right. Just poke your neighbor and tell them what, why that's funny. But uh, so parents' night outs, the 15th, the night after that, so that you can bring your kids. Free childcare. Childcare requires like a part-time job right now Uh, and so we're gonna just offer that for free so make sure you do that and then couple to couples coming up you heard that it's gonna be an incredible four weeks we've got some guest speakers coming in we'll laugh we'll have a good time we'll play some games give away a bunch of stuff Uh, and so we want you to be a part of that so it's it's gonna be a great great season Uh, I heard this story about a guy who had fought in a couple of different wars in the early and mid-1900s and uh, in 1950 he was captured as a part of the Korean War and he actually passed away that next year, 1951. But his body wasn't found. and so his wife was here in the United States just waiting, waiting to find out if his body was going to be recovered, if his body was going to be released back to the United States. And, and, and they just never, they, they never found the body or they, they didn't have any new information for her. So for years and years, really decades, uh, she just waited. She even sold the house that they had lived in and bought a new house and she got a second job so that she could get all the landscaping done because she said, if he returns home, I want him not to have to do anything around the house except just go fishing. I just want him back home. She got no word. She didn't hear anything. She didn't know if he was alive or she, if he was dead. And so she wasn't sure. And then just a few years later, a few, a few years ago, I take it, um, she, she heard that he had actually passed away in the war. She was 93 at this time, and she said that when she got the news, she she was a little brokenhearted, but obviously it brought some closure. And so they had this really interesting military funeral because it was four or five decades after he had actually passed away. And so she was standing there at the funeral, and one of her friends was standing beside her and said, well, how do you feel? She said, well, I, I feel sad. But it does bring closure she said you know when when he went off to war he told me if anything happens to me I want you to remarry and she said I I I knew I'd never do that and she said so here I stand his wife forever love and that's what I hold to when I think about that story I think oh my goodness what an incredible they need to make a movie about something like that because you're kind of living through the love story of someone else And while many of us have a love story, it may not be the love story you thought, it may not be the love story you hoped for, maybe we have a love story, or some of you, you're still waiting on that love story. Today, we want to use that kind of context to really continue in our series.
0: So today, we are still in the middle of our L Word series. Last week, Pastor Jeremy began the series, and he spoke on lust. And it was a hard verse of scripture. You know, here at Canton Church, we really do believe the whole Bible. And so sometimes that means going to some stories that are really hard for us to take in or even to understand. But Jeremy did a masterful job. at. At explaining that story and really getting to the heart of what lust is which is a hard subject but today we're looking at the word love and what that means you know you often hear love described as you know love is the feeling when you get a feeling that you never had you've never had before you know love the feeling but so is the flu right (laughs) You you like feel bad when you have the flu so uh, love is it so it's hard to describe and you know oftentimes we say like Oh, I love my spouse, or I love my friends, or I love my family. I love my children. But we also love Mexican food, right? Hey or at least Pastor hey Jeremy does. Hey I, man. I, man, love, that right there. I love sushi and, and chocolate, which is a little bit different than Mexican That's food. True. That's but true. you love these things, you know? And so really when you look at it, we have this one word to describe a whole bunch of emotions that we as humans feel. So what really is love? And I think the best place to turn to is scripture, to find out what is love.
1: You know, like Corey said, that word is used for so many different things. And so I I went to just do a Google search earlier in the week to try to find, like, what is the definition of love? And there's so many different definitions. One of the definitions that I ran across, it says it's an intense feeling of deep affection, an intense feeling of deep affection. Another one said that it's great interest or pleasure in something. Well, those definitions serve us well when we try to think about the love that we have towards a spouse or to an individual or in a relationship or, or even to our, our Mexican food or chocolate, potentially. I have an intense desire for Mexican food later today. But when we think about this idea of love, what we understand is that if these are the definitions, then there is a chance, what we talked about last week, that you could fall out of love. I mean, if, if love is defined as an intense feeling of deep affection, does that mean that you're not in love when you don't feel it as intensely? Right. Or if you don't feel it as deeply as you used to feel it or or the idea that it's a great interest or pleasure in something, if there's no pleasure there, if there's not interest for, for you or the other person in the relationship, does that mean that you're not in love anymore? And what we talked about a little bit last week in this idea of lust is that lust is when I use someone else as an instrument for my fulfillment or my satisfaction. And so the idea is that if this is my definition of love, if it's about the intense feelings that I feel, if it's about deep affection that I feel, if it's about great interest or pleasure in something, then I think it's possible that you could fall out of this definition. Because the idea is that if we're falling out of this, we probably just fell into it. But I think if we're really going to understand love, what I want to do is redefine it really from God's word today. And we're going to use this definition. They're going to put this up on the screen. Choosing to give of your best for the sake of someone else. Choosing to give of your best for the sake of someone else now that incorporates affection it it incorporates emotion It incorporates acts of service it incorporates the quality time and energy that you could spend towards one another It it, it can incorporate the gifts that you might give to some someone the, the physical touch that you may give to someone all these various ways That we express and receive love But this definition I believe based on God's Word helps us to understand what love is and if that's the case then it's not so much about falling into or falling out of love as much as it is choosing to give of what you have and the best of what you have for the sake of someone else. And we see that really in the story that we find in John chapter 3, verse 16. This is the most famous verse in all of Scripture. Even those who are not faith people, Bible people, they know this verse of Scripture, and many of you could quote it as well. It says this, It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved that he gave. And not only did he give, he gave of his best He gave of his prized possession. He gave of the one son that he had. And so God did not withhold his love from us. He didn't withhold anything from us. He gave of his very best because of his love for you and I. And so if we use that verse and really this definition for the sake of our discussion today about love, then I think it's important for us to also recognize that later in the Gospels, what we see is that people will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love one another. It's the idea that the scripture tells us that the way that people recognize that we are Christ followers is when we demonstrate the kind of love that he's demonstrated towards us. And so if that's the case, then it's almost like the way that you love is your membership card. Now, I know that not everybody in the room is a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's okay. This is not just a message to Christ followers today. So for all of us in the room, here's what we need to recognize. One of the ways that you identify yourself as a Christ follower is not how, how strongly you believe something. It's not how much you can argue something. It's not how many scriptures you can quote, how many groups you're a part of, how often you serve or how much you give. What scripture tells us is that people will identify you as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, in the way that you love other people. It's it's like your membership card. If somebody says, are you a Christ follower? And you had to pull it out of your wallet and go, yeah, I am. I got the membership card. That membership card is your love towards other people. And so if that's the case, then what we need to recognize is that our love and the way that we love is important in the way that we identify ourselves. And so if people listen to how you talk to your kids, if they listen to how you talk to your spouse, if they listen to how you talk to your neighbors or your coworkers, would they assume that you are a Christ follower? How loving would they rate you on your job, in your home? How loving would they say that you are on your cul-de-sac? Are you the grumpy old man or the grumpy old woman that just yells at the neighbor kids all the time, right? How loving would, some of you got laughs on that. I mean, evidently we got some grumpy people that go to Canton church yelling at kids in the cul-de-sac. We need to change that. If we're Christ followers, then our membership card is the way that we love one another, which is so, so important.
0: So let's go to one of the most famous love scriptures in all the Bible. If you are a Christ follower in the room, you probably know this, or if you've been around the church long, it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It'll be on the screen here, and it says, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It does not easy, is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So Jeremy and I thought today that we would give you six attributes of love the ways you can love, the way that you can give love, maybe even the way you receive love. And so the first one that we thought is love is patient and love is kind. It's the opening part of the scripture. And I love that in the Bible, God doesn't really, he doesn't mess up his words. And so it says love is patient and in the same sentence, love is kind. And when you think about your life, when I think about mine, the only time I'm really not not kind is when I've lost my patience. If you're a parent in the room, maybe you try to be patient, and you kind of let them do things, and then the minute your patience wears off, what also wears off? Your, your kindness. You lose it. Maybe yours is when you're in the car. You're driving in the car, and somebody makes you mad, and you're trying to be kind about it, and then all of a sudden your patience wears off. You've had enough, and your meanness comes out, right? You lose it. The other day, Jeremy and I were in the car. He was actually driving. there was a careful. there was a be guy, careful. Well, actually, what he said is, well, I'll tell you what he said in a second. But he, there, was a, there was someone behind us, and honestly, the light had been red. We had been stopped. And the light, I mean, it had just turned green. I mean, there wasn't even time to, like, hit the gas to go yet. And the, girl, the, the person behind me started, like, honking, beeping their horn for us to go. And so Jeremy got mad, and he said this. He said, it has to be a female. And sure enough, it was a lady. I was like, are you kidding me? Guys beep their horn Now, context too. is
1: king here. Let me just say that I'd already she, she looked in the mirror. She came up beside
0: us, and she, he said, of course, it's a lady.
1: Here, We had had a previous conversation. See, you got me in trouble right there. That's what you said. Context <laughs> you are is You were not keen. loving
0: or patient or kind.
1: It had nothing to do with women in general. It had to do with that woman. You and- assumed
0: it was a female.
1: Unbelievable.
0: We're going to have to go to counseling after this to, Love get- is patient, and love is kind. No, She was is-
1: not patient, by the way. Let me just say that. <laughs> and man. you're not being very kind right
0: now. <laughs> Oh, back to our notes. I'm no. sorry. No, i just kidding. The, the
1: idea here is this text really gives for us the attributes of people in love. Yeah. These attributes of people in love. And so if they are patient and kind, it really reflects the kind of love that God would That's give right. to us. The second thing that we see here is that they are content. Look what it says. It says, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Now, so often when we think about the word content, we, we don't think about that as a positive attribute. We think that means that maybe they've settled in our loving relationships or with a spouse or in a dating relationship. We would think, oh, well, if they're content, it just means, oh, they're just kind of stuck. They're not striving for more, striving for better. That's not what we mean here. But in, in the verse that we read here, it says it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's saying they are not deriving their sense of success in this loving relationship by looking at other people. They don't envy what other people have. They recognize that what they have is the gift that God has given to them. And so they're going to cherish it and they're going to honor it. And they're going to make sure that they invest in their relationships. So often where marriages go astray is when they start looking more to others than they do work on what's happening in their own home. When they start looking at other relationships and other marriages and they start longing for what other people have. We were talking to a young couple the other day and they they said something so profound. They were talking about, you know, when we were getting married, we looked at other couples around us as models. We looked at them and their marriage and the success of their marriage and we so wanted what they had. But it took us a little while to recognize that they didn't have that on day one. And so what we wanted day one was what they had in year 20 or year 30. And so if you look to other people and you try to get what they've got in the moment, Then you haven't walked through some of the tests they've walked through. You haven't walked through some of the battles. You haven't endured some of the things. But even beyond that, maybe you haven't invested what they've invested. You haven't spent the time showing love towards one another. And so it doesn't envy what other people have. It doesn't boast even when things are going super well. It doesn't make your relationship where you kind of put it up on a pedestal and you want other people to look at you and go, Oh man, I would love to have their marriage. I would love to have their home. I'd love to have the relationship with their kids. You don't know what's happening. And so you you can't put your your marriage or your relationship up on a pedestal because, again, you're trying to set yourself up up as boasting to say, hey, what I've got is what you need. No, no, no. It's about humility, which we're going to talk about in a second. And so it's not boasting. Paul tells us that we don't boast in anything except Christ. We don't boast anything except the suffering of Christ. We recognize that everything we have is a gift to us. And so we take that with humility. We don't take pride and set us up because pride comes before The fall, and so we we love what we have. We invest in what we have. We take everything that we have, and we pour it into that relationship. But we don't derive our success by looking at others, nor do we lord it over others. The second, the next thing, the third one that we see here is they are humble. The attributes of people in love is that they're humble. It says it does not dishonor others, and it is not self-seeking. Well, honor is something that I believe has been lost in our culture. I think when we look around we see so many people that have lost this art of honor and I think one of the reasons that that's the case is because honor has been abused and misused. We see so many people that have tried to take what they think they deserve in honor and they've tried to force that on people. And, And ultimately when we're talking about honor what we're saying is it's not because of what someone has done, that's really reward. right? You reward something that's been done. But honor is something you give to somebody because of who they are, because of their identity. And so what we say is, if, if, uh, if this is what we're called to do in attributes of loving people, there is a, a part of a loving relationship, and you can find some of this in Ephesians chapter 5, that says we submit ourselves to one another, we honor one another, we respect one another, not because of what they do, or even the role that they have, the title that they may have. We honor them because of who they are. They are a son and a daughter of God, and so we honor them for who they are, and so humility comes from that, because we don't then position ourselves as someone better, We don't position ourselves as someone who deserves more. What we talked about last week is this idea of lust is that I'm looking for my satisfaction and my fulfillment. But humility says, I don't want to dishonor you. I don't want to be self-seeking. I want to serve you well. And when I do that, I'm actually placing the value on you that I believe God uses to value you and to see you. And so I position myself with humility in loving relationship with you so that I go, hey, how does God view you? That's the way that I want to view you as well.
0: Yeah. Number four. People who are loving, they are peacemakers. It says, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. Now, if you are married in this room, or maybe you just have a best friend, keeping no record of wrong is difficult. You know, sometimes, I'll indict myself, you know, like, I want to be this, like, patient, kind wife. And so we'll use the generic, um, the generic cliche maybe of taking out the trash. And so the first day I'll see Jeremy, I'll, the trash will be full. And I'll think, you know what, he, he just didn't see it. He'll get it tomorrow. And then I'll pass it by. Or maybe he'll get it tomorrow. Maybe he'll take out the trash the next day. Or maybe I'll even say, Jeremy, will you take out the trash? And he'll say, yeah, absolutely. And he'll get to it maybe in a little while. And then it's still full. It's still full. And then by the time I am like done with the trash, and I say, Jeremy, take the trash out now. He'll take it out. And then what happens is I make the issue about the trash, about something bigger. And so then it's it becomes like, you don't take out the trash, you don't take care of our home, you don't help us anywhere in this world, in this life. I mean it gets big and huge because I make it personal, because I become angry and then I keep and then I may I keep you know a record in my head so that when I do get angry and I lose it I can pull up all of the things that made me mad maybe in the past but the Bible says that love doesn't do that the Bible actually says that it it creates peace what I should do if the trash is full is take the trash out myself right I should create a peaceful environment in our home, and not just in our home, in our world, in our friendships, in our relationships. Jeremy and I have taken several uh, uh, personality tests over the years, and it never fails. I always get that I'm a peacemaker. But you wanna know one of the funny things about a peacemaker? One of their like, I will say deadly sins, is the fact that they're an angry individual, which seems so opposite of what a peacemaker is. And it always offends me. I, like, rip it up. I'm like, this is not me. I am not angry, you know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But what it is is that you kind of suppress all of this stuff, you know, like it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal, until it explodes. Well, that's not actually the biblical definition of a peacemaker. A peacemaker is someone who steps into a situation and creates peace where it's lacking. A peacemaker is someone who exhibits love in moments where love is needed. It creates peace. It makes peace. It doesn't disrupt the peace.
1: Yeah. Anybody ever played Trash Can Jenga? You just keep stacking stuff up so that whoever it falls on, that's the person that has to take it out? I'm really good at that game. I got to be honest. Hypothetically. Kind of. <laughs> Hypothetically. Here's the next attribute of people in love. They are grace-filled and truthful. Grace-filled and truthful. Look at what this says in the scripture. It says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Yeah. So often in our relationships, we keep that scoreboard in our head. Corey was talking about it a little bit ago. And, and we, maybe we don't say anything or maybe we kind of keep our, our thoughts to ourselves or we keep the things that we're upset about or our anger to ourselves until we feel like now they're losing and they've done more things wrong than we've done wrong. We want to receive grace, but we don't often give grace. We, we want to make sure that they know our motives were to, were to help or our motives were to be more caring or our motive. But we don't give them the benefit of the doubt about their motives. We just grade them on their actions. And so the idea here is that love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Well, so often instead of the truth that we should be seeking, what we're seeking is that we would be made right. And so instead of looking for the truth, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong in this circumstance. Maybe I'm the one that's at fault. Maybe I'm the one that should have been a little more graceful. Maybe I'm the one that should have responded more caring. Maybe I'm the one that should have been more patient. Maybe I didn't hear what you said. Maybe I was distracted and I wasn't listening in such a way that I heard what you said. Not just that I could repeat the words back, but I actually empathized with what motivated you to say those things to me. Maybe the truth of this circumstance is that I'm, I'm wrong here. But instead, I don't often seek the truth. What I'm seeking is to be right. But an attribute of someone who's loving is that they extend grace. They are filled with grace. Grace. They make sure that even if the other person is wrong, they treat them in such a way that they would want to be treated and receive that grace in kind. And so they're filled with grace, but also that they are seeking the truth, even if it means that they are found to be wrong. And so in all of our relationships in our lives, not just in marriage, I would say give the kind of grace and seek the kind of truth that you hope other people are seeking and giving towards you. That it's not just that you would find yourself to be right and try to make them be wrong. But you give them grace, you extend grace to them in the same way that you would want it, but also that you seek the truth, even if it positions you as the one who has offended, even as the one who might be wrong. Here's the last one. They aren't conditional. Yeah. They aren't conditional. Look what it said there. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. One of my favorite verses of Scripture, and we, we reference it here A good bit is found in Romans chapter 5, and it talks about the idea that God demonstrates his love to us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you really unpack that verse of scripture, what it tells us is that before we could earn God's love, he demonstrated his love to us. While we were still sinners, while we were apart from relationship with him, while we were still doing things that dishonored him, while we were still doing the things that kept us astray and afar from the relationship that he sought with us, he still sent his one and only son to die on our behalf. He still did what was necessary to cover for, to forgive, to atone for our sins. And so it wasn't based on a condition. He didn't say, I love you as long as you're good. I love you as long as you read your Bible. I love you as long as you give, as long as you go to church. All of those things are good, and all of them should come out of you desiring a stronger relationship with God. But they aren't the conditions by which you have to have a relationship with God. Does that make sense? And so so often what happens in our relationships, in dating relationships, and in marriage relationships, and even in relationships with our kids or some of our friends we put so many conditions on that love that we extend to them that once those conditions stop being met, we stop loving them. We say, hey, I love you because of how you make me feel. I love you for the way that you spend time with me. Well, what happens if they have to get a different job in this season and they can't spend as much time with you? Does that mean that because they don't, they're not with you in proximity to you as much that you don't love them as much? It may mean that you have to invest other things into the relationship in this season. But it's not based on a condition. It's not based on the deep affection, the intense desire, the intense pl- It's not based on all those things. It says, no, 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 I, I'm not basing my love for you on a condition so that once that condition stops being met, that I get the get-out-of-jail-free card and I no longer have to love you. The English Standard Version of the last part of this translation here, we've been reading in IV. the English Standard Version says this, love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all Things, the word bears there means to put up with something annoying, right? Some of you in marriage, I got an amen over here. I'm not even going to look that direction because I don't want to get involved in their stuff. But listen, here's the deal. (laughs) Bears all things. It says, I am willing to love you even when you do things that annoy me. You know what's so funny about it when we do premarital counseling and then we do another counseling session with that couple a year or two or five years later? The things that they just said they could kind of get around... When, you know, when, yeah, I mean, he does that thing, but I mean, it's not that big a deal. It's what they're fighting about five years in. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, she kind of does that, but it's still so cute. It's not cute two years in, <laughs> right? But love says we bear, we put up with something, even if it's annoying. Believes all things means thinks to be true. It means that I give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Even if I can't put all the pieces together in my mind, even if they tell me something and I'm like, I don't really know how that works. It's like, no, no, no. If I believe all things in this loving relationship with you, I'm not going to be skeptical. I'm not going to be critical. I'm actually going to believe you are who you say that you are. It hopes all things. That means looking towards a good tomorrow. So many of our marriages especially, but many of our relationships have lost hope. It's not about what's even happening in our present. We just can't see our future together. And so the idea here, if we hope all things, it means that we are actually looking towards a good tomorrow. I would encourage you, to spend some time just dreaming about what the tomorrows of your relationship could look like. Corey's so good at this. We'll be driving down the road. One of our favorite things to do is when we're in the car for any great length of time, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the future. We'll talk about the dreams that we have and the things that we want to do and accomplish together. And when we first got married, I was scared to death to do that for two reasons. One, I felt like if I said them out loud, I was held accountable for them. It's like, well, I want to, I want us to, you know, go travel the world. Well then if we didn't travel the world, I felt like a helpless, hopeless, Failure of a husband, right? The second thing was I wasn't sure like how concrete these conversations were. Like if I say them, is she going to hold me to those things? I, I want to dream, but I wasn't sure how to dream together. And so you got to create some language in your relationship that says, hey, I, I don't really know how this is going to flesh itself out. I'm not really even sure what this might look like, but can I dream with you for a moment? Can, can we just talk about what could be, what we're, we're trusting God for, what we're believing God for, and then hope for and believe for. future. It says that it endures all things. Endures means to continue on. It means that even when it's hard, you hold on. You endure through it. You trust that God has a plan and God has a future and God has a hope for your relationship. And so if we're talking here about the attributes of people that are in love, I want us to think about all these things that we saw and they come right out of 1 Corinthians 13. They come right out of God's word. And so I want us to evaluate how patient and kind are we? I mean, how patient are we with someone that we say that we love? So often we are more patient with people that we don't even like than the people we say we love. How kind are we to people? How, how humble, how grace-filled, how truthful are we? Right? How conditional is the love that we give towards other people? All, all these attributes that we're talking about here, I want you to evaluate the relationships in your life. And here's what I recognize. Even standing on this stage to say these things, I go, man, I am missing the mark in so many of these areas. Like, it's easy for her to have some stories to tell on me because I I drop the ball way more than I make it right. And so the idea is, this is not to make you feel bad when you walk out of here. This is not even really to give you homework so you leave going, oh, man, I got so much work to do. It's to recognize that none of us are perfect. But there is the perfect example of love that we can look to. Yeah. And that perfect example is the love that God does give to us. He says, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another just as I have loved you. Here's the reality. God loved you so much he didn't withhold anything from you. He loves you so much that he gave the best of what he had for your sake. And so we look to that example and wherever we feel like we're missing the mark, we go, okay, God, continue to do that work in me. It's easy for me to say I love someone, but let me show that love. Let me demonstrate that love in the way that you demonstrated love towards me. Let me give not just the leftovers of my life, but let me give the best of my life to those that I love in my life. So God, let me be more patient. Let me be more kind. God, let me have humility there. Let me be content. Let me not be envious. Let me take my eyes off other people and put my eyes on what you've entrusted and given to me as a gift, as a blessing. And God, let me invest the best of who I am into that relationship. Because ultimately, on this earth, we are human, which means we are imperfect. And so we continue to strive to use what God has given to us to demonstrate his love to those around us. In just a moment, not yet, but in just a moment, we're going to take communion. And when we do, we are saying, God, I I received the love that you give to me. And God, today, as we take communion, this is not just about a, a little cracker and a little cup of juice. This is me saying, God, as you have loved me through the person The body, the blood that was shed for me through Jesus Christ. God, let me take these elements and let me use them to receive your love so that I can give your love away. That's what we're going to do in just a moment. But before we do, I want to give us an opportunity just to respond. So I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around. Just a chance for you just to kind of search your heart. See what God may be doing and working in your life. If you would say to me today, Jeremy. I recognize as I listen to all this that you're talking about about love. Maybe you talked about marriage and you talked about kids. and Maybe you talked about relationships on our job or in other places. But no matter what that context is for me, I recognize that I have not received the love of God. I've not asked him to be the forgiver of my sins and the Lord of my life. And I want to make sure that I do that today. I want to receive his love so that I can give love away in the way that it was intended. If that's you, would you just lift your hand today? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now I want to pray for a special group of people. I'm going to ask you just to honor the people in this room just by keeping your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. If you would say to me today, with nobody looking around, Jeremy, as you pray this week, and as we pray in just a moment, I would ask you to pray for me and a single or multiple relationships in my life because I feel like we're losing the battle of love. Maybe we've just quit trying. Maybe we've made it conditional. Maybe we don't honor one another. Maybe we're not patient and kind. Whatever that looks like. But we, we just really need to express and to show love towards one, to, to one another in a better way. And I want you to pray for me this week. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You can put it down. Thank you so much. God, I pray right now for every hand that was lifted. Yes. God, I pray for every person that acknowledges their need for you to be the Lord and save their life. God, they receive your love now. Expressed through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So God, now in this moment, we receive the forgiveness that you provide. And God, we ask you to be the Lord of their life. They enter into the family of God. We thank you for what you're doing in this place right now. Yes, Jesus. And God, now I pray for every hand that was lifted to say there's some, there's some love loss in a relationship or two in my life. And God, let it start with me. Don't let, it, don't let me look to the other person or the other people in this relationship or these relationships to make it right. God, start with me. Let me take these attributes that are fleshed out in your word. And God, as you have loved me, let me love them. God, let me be more, more patient and kind. God, let me, let me be humble. Let me be content in what I have. Let me take my eyes off other things and put my investment and in my time there. God, let me give the best of what I have for the sake of someone else. God I pray that as I do that they would they would reciprocate that back to me and that this relationship would be healed forgiveness would be possible God in a few days or a few weeks or a few months even God we would we would feel like we've turned the page and we find love there where it used to exist but maybe it's gone right now God let us live out the love towards one another that you have given to us we thank you for that in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. I'm going to ask our host to prepare now to serve you. We're going to take communion in just a second. Here's what we're going to do today. If you feel comfortable doing this, in just a moment I'm going to come back and lead us in communion, but as the band is singing and leading us in a song of worship and they're beginning to hand out these elements in just a second, if you'd like to and maybe you're not sitting with them, I, I would encourage you, if you have family spouse, kids, whoever here in the room, I would love for you maybe just to huddle together so that when I come back in just a minute, we're gonna take communion together, but you could take communion there as a family. If your family's not here, you don't have anybody with you. that's okay. We're gonna take it together as the family of Canton Church. But when we talk about receiving the love of God and demonstrating that towards one another, in this moment of communion, this is not how we always do it, but in this moment of communion, we're gonna try to take this together as a part of these family units that maybe are here together today. In just a second, they'll come. They'll distribute the elements. Anybody can take part today. You don't have to be a member of our church. We'd love for you to participate if you choose to do so. I'm going to ask our host to come now. God, we thank you for this moment. Let it be sacred in this place. God, as this worship song is sung over us, let us have a moment of personal worship. Let us hold these elements reflecting on who you are and who you are to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com cantonchurchga.